Well, welcome to the Lead Like Jesus Zoomcast. And I am here today with my friend. I think I get to call you friend by now. Yeah. We've shared space together. And now this is, I think, podcast number four. And you are just so wonderful and delightful to talk with and so helpful. So thank you again for giving up of your time and, um, and joining me again for this last part of our Zoomcast. I'm glad to be here, thank you. Some of the values that millennials have, and, and if you are somebody who works, and, and millennials, now Danita, I'm, I'm thinking they're between the ages of 23 and 38 right now. Is yeah, that the, that's right. The, the millennial age. So if you are somebody who knows anyone between the ages of 23 mm-hmm. and 38, it is so helpful to understand um, just how some of the thoughts that are common among a generation. And so go back, listen to part one, but I want to just dive in um, as we continue kind of building this topic of, of millennials and their mindsets. Um, we were just talking um, off camera about just how many fears that boomers sometimes carry with them, that there's kind of a wall that goes up and kind of this, the media's kind of made this negative cast over this generation. I wonder if you might speak to a moment about what are some of those common fears when you're working with business leaders that are, are boomers or, or those generations that are older than millennials, what are the things they fear and, and how could you maybe speak to some of those fears from, from what you've seen? Well, if we look back at the culture that they were raised in, Um, which is going to be more top-down, more hierarchical in climbing the corporate ladder, that there is a fear of losing power, a fear of losing position, and I also think a fear of losing relevance. So when you, and then as we contrast that to the, younger worker and the younger leader, you know, they're more accustomed to flatline. Uh Um, They've got the world, they've got the knowledge world at the fingertips. They maybe don't have wisdom and experience and regrets, but they've got knowledge at their fingertips. And so in a way, uh, because of that, uh, they're relevant in all situations. Uh So, you know, we have this, you know, this kind of little cultural clash that's happening. And when I'm working with leaders coming, the the medical device company that I was part of a turnaround management team and started out as the uh, employee number 11 and eventually grew that to employee number, you know, 300. I was in charge of the sales team and uh, handling the revenue portion. And we ended up being the fastest growing company in that marketplace for an extended period of time. So we would be high growth category. My mindset is that I, as my people get stronger, that the company grows as my people, as I improve the capability and capacity of my people, then that allows me to continue to go on and explore uh, 
new options and new ideas. And um, so I'm, I was very motivated mm -hmm. to, grow my, to grow my team. And I believe that all great leaders um, see that as one of their main jobs. Great leaders build great leaders. Mm -hmm. And that is one of their key tasks and responsibilities as a leader. So we have to set aside the position, set aside the power. Now the relevance one, that may be important, but we have to set aside the position and the power. <laughs> and our relevance comes when we're investing in others. That's where we become increasingly relevant, is that oh. we're building people who have the the character and the confidence and the collaboration skills to be high influence. Well, and would you say that in some ways that it, it could be accidental that a, a leader in previous generations, their information bank, their um, access to knowledge um, was what made them relevant. They were needed by the people under them and now because information is so much more readily available to everyone what they were counting on for relevance is no longer available it's 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 you know it's kind of you know it's out there so if that's what you thought you were going to be worth that's why you had value that's why you were relevant it you do have to reinvent the your relevance is that true i you know i i like that reinventing relevance there was a a workshop was giving with a group of oh, uh, insurance people, women insurance leaders. The room was about, probably about a third millennial, and then the other two thirds were uh, Gen X, baby boomers. And I, I brought up the concept of character and that uh, emerging leaders, they are prioritizing character in an integrity and trustworthiness and optimism and determination in those they want to uh, follow, those they want to be involved with. And there was uh, one woman who was sitting in the back and the entire time, she was nodding her head upside down. She never stopped. <laughs> and so I said, you know, uh, I'm curious, Susan, you know, what are you thinking? And she said, is there anything else that you would look for in a leader other than character? Hmm. Is there anything else? And I thought, wow, you know, because we, uh, you know, again, as I look at some older generations in the culture, you know, you know, yeah, character is important and getting the paychecks important. And, you know, there's going to be a whole host of other things that are important. But she said, is there anything else? Okay. So as we're, as experienced leaders, as we're looking at our relevance, our relevance has to do with who we are inside mm -hmm. and then how that side comes out through our relationships, how we treat people, the respect that we show for people. That's where 
I submit, that's where our long-term relevance is. Danita, it's interesting that you say that. You're, uh, you know, talking to the Lead Like Jesus audience. And so when we talk about character, we're talking about the heart of a follower of Christ. And, and that takes on a whole new meaning if you are a person of faith. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you might speak to that business professional out there who maybe is a Gen X or a boomer, but is also a person of faith. Um, and maybe in their context, they, you know, they go to work every day and they're, they're having their frustrations with, um, and again, it's a stereotype. It's a generalization. Um, there are plenty of amazing millennials that you talked about the mega millennials and the me millennials in our last podcast. That's I think a great visual of, of realizing it's not all one, but to that leader out there that maybe just kind of doing their thing and and thinking, I wish this younger generation would be more like me. Um, And yet they are a a person of faith and there is this character need. Speak to that. What opportunity exists there to, instead of seeing it as a roadblock, but seeing it as an opportunity? Could you speak into that for that leader? So I have two things. Here's the first one. The first one is that I believe when we have moved to the other side and we are giving an account for our life, Mm -hmm. one of the places that we are being asked to steward is the emerging leaders in our midst. So um, this, this is not just something that's important on this side, it's important on the other side also. So that's number one. Uh, Number two, uh, research by uh, the Barna Group uh, is showing that 64% of millennials are dropping out of church. So here's my question. How many of those 64% are in our businesses? How many of those 64% that when we look at them, you know, maybe, you know, we do a arm's length or we're critical of them. And yet if, if we were to kind of understand where we're there at, we would see that this is an incredible coaching, mentoring, discipleship opportunity. So as a leader, we have this discipleship opportunity to live out our faith every day. Rubber meets the road. People are watching. We have, we have people who've gone to church who are seeking. And then obviously there's the other group of nuns. Mm-hmm. Uh, which are also watching and looking and to see how our faith is going to be relevant. Mm-hmm. And the place that faith is relevant is what we're doing every day in our businesses. Well, that's great. And I'm actually just impressed because every time you say I have two things, you remember both of them and I <laughs> forget one of the two. So you're just way ahead of me on any given day. <laughs> I love that. So um, let me do this. Um, I want to make this really relevant and practical to our um, audience. 
you you have developed and honed five tips that really are to help millennial leaders. And I wondered if we might be able to share those with um, the audience and you really kind of just bring them to life. They're statements, but I know behind them is so much research and and, and we will we want everybody to get your book, Millennial Matters and um, Millennials Matter, I should say, I just put the S on the wrong word. Um, but um, if you could maybe just help us appreciate all the depth behind those so that people would then really move beyond just listening to this, but really choosing if they're in a leadership role to embrace the opportunities that are behind us. So if that's okay with you, I want to throw those out there to you and get you to engage. Does that sound all right? Love it. Go for okay. it. Perfect. So, and I love this. You, you kind of set the stage by saying, instead of complaining, which I think would be relevant <laughs> for all of us, but to start spotlighting a talent. Yeah. What does that mean to that person that's in, a, whether they're leading volunteers or in a job or wherever, what do you mean by that? So to recognize when someone is doing something well and what the strength is behind it. And uh, uh, here's an example. I, I actually have two examples, but I'll only give one. So <laughs> one was what happened personally. Okay. Um, I was a young salesperson and I was given a promotion. I was a young salesperson with Xerox. I was given a promotion to do some work in some major accounts. And obviously the people who owned the major accounts were not happy that a young rookie salesperson was going to be invading their territory. So I knew that. So I go down, I, I have my first meeting with Keith, who is my sales manager. And I put my, I laid out my plan. And when I got done, he said, Danita, don't I wish that every single salesperson on my team has your planning skills. Thank you for your work. Now, Keith didn't have to say that, but he spotlighted it and I as a rookie go well what do you know I thought everybody in the world did this I had no idea that my brain was a little more linear <laughs> and that I tied things together and I thought about strategy and tactics I had no idea so Keith was able to spotlight, I did something, and he said, Danita, that's the talent and the skill and strength behind that. And that micro conversation, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, that was really that comment of his only was maybe a 45 second con uh, comment, right, right. but it stuck and I remember it. Mm -hmm. High impact. I love that because it's exactly what you said. And I think if, if we, you know, if we're going to stereotype, let's stereotype both ways, right? Um, a lot of times a, a boomer would think that but not say it. Yeah. And they would be like, oh, wow, this person's got their act together. She's, she's really excellent. But they might 
withhold that actual comment to the person. And so really how simple is that in just a shift of perspective, if you are a, a leader uh, over a millennial and really anybody would appreciate words that just bring life to their strengths to say, right. wow, how life giving is it for somebody to say, you're good at something to need Like that goes a long way. So I love, I love what you're saying because it's so easy. It, it, it really, when you see something good, say it out loud to that person. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. Fantastic. Number two, um, I love this because I, I hear this um, statement in so many other environments, but you put it right here in this workplace, turn the technology off. So why yes. is that tip <laughs> to helping millennial leaders? You know, I had uh, a leader that I was coaching who was getting complaints that he wasn't listening. Hmm. So, you know, I did some observations to see what was happening. And he, he would sit behind his computer and then when people would come to his door, he would look at them, but then he's always looking back at his computer. So uh, we uh, devised a, a coaching plan that when someone came to the door, he actually literally turned his computer screen away, turned it off, turned it away so that he couldn't see it. Huh? And um, of course, I made him do uh, ticky marks for how many times he did that each day. And okay. his goal was to get 10 ticky marks a day. Okay, all right. <laughs> so we, we, I mean, we tried to turn it into a game, um, but turn, the technology away. Now that's a computer screen, but the th same thing happens with our with our little screens. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, don't keep them. You know, put them in the drawer. Let mm -hmm. the person know. Let the person that's in front of you let them know that they have your full intention. What an incredible gift. Uh -huh. you know, we can give them that just focusing on them. Well, well, it has a lifetime impact. Absolutely. Well, and I love, I hope people are noticing just even the nuances. You're giving them such great, um, helpful hints here. If you're going to change a behavior, you have to be intentional about it. So just to tell this guy, hey, make sure you don't look at your computer screen. You can listen to this podcast, watch this Zoomcast, and just put that in the back of your head but it's, I'm going to physically turn the screen, I'm gonna make check marks that gives you an action that actually can help you change some of your ingrained behaviors. So I, I love that, I love that. Number three, and this kind of builds on that, connect with people face-to-face. -face. Why does that come as one of your top five tips? In our world, we are so accustomed to, you know, texting or, you know, I, I would say even the phone. One of the things that I notice for me personally and is, is when I shifted my coaching from phone coaching to uh, video coaching. You know, previous to that, I would probably say, you know what, there's no impact. There's a massive impact hmm. on being able to connect 
face to face, eye to eye, to see the the body language, to see what's happening. So, and I, and I know in the world that we're in that it can be difficult to physically be in the same room, but to be able to utilize the uh, technology to do video conference makes all the difference in the world. You know, as part of my seminary work, we had like a whole month that we talked about the face of God hmm. and how often that's referred to in scripture and how, you know, because of that, our faces are really important. Our faces are important to God. They're important to each other. They're important in building connection. Hmm. So set the technology aside, connect face to face. That's great. And I love even, even that, I think sometimes we can think, ah, well, whether it's a phone call or video, it's not in person. So what's the difference between the two? And I think what I hear you saying is there is a big difference. If you, you know, there's a lot of folks working these days. The video does matter. It is a step above if you can't be there in person. Absolutely. Very yeah. good. Um, number four, focus on one individual fully and completely. So elaborate on that. Um, what does that mean in the context of a manager with a full team and all those good things? Um, one of my high impact uh, leaders that I've worked with was a guy named Don. And when I sat down with Don, he, he, he was just zeroed in on me. Hmm. And I knew that he had, you know, and, uh, you know, he was a district manager, so he had, you know, he had like 12 people reporting to them, and then they had a whole full team. I mean, you know, I knew that he was super busy, lots of responsibility, but when he talked with me, he was talking with me. Mm. So it was about a couple of, and, and I, was a, I was a younger uh, salesperson at that time. A couple of years ago, I happened to reconnect with him and I said, Don, I said, what an incredible gift. I mean, I thought I was a, you know, a nobody. Mm. And when we sat down, uh, you just really listened and connected with me. And I said, you know, I just really want to affirm you for that gift. And he said, oh, that was part of my management training. <laughs> And I said, you know, what? He was like, oh, yeah. You know, when I went to management training, we had practice sessions. We had rehearsal sessions. You know, to make certain that we were fully listening to the person in front of us. Mm -hmm. And because I, you know, and so I think back, that because I felt validated and respected, then I brought my whole self to work. Mm -hmm. I didn't punch, punch the clock. I didn't just, uh, I, I brought my whole self to work. Mm -hmm. You know, in our last podcast, you gave the statistic that I believe it was 50% of millennials are disengaged at right. work. And, and again, and even, you know, in some ways, it's kind of like, wow, that was a spoiler that that was like a technique he learned to be an effective manager. <laughs> he just wanted that to be like the love in his heart and what a great guy, right? 
but to the same extent for everybody out there, we all have things we need to get better at. And even if it's the technique, the influence and impact was the same. You yes. felt heard because you were heard. So yes. that's fantastic. Let me wrap up with this last one. And um, you say make micro moves to make a major difference. And I hope what people have seen across these two podcasts, you've given us many micro moves, but, but kind of use that terminology and bring that to life for us so they can apply all the great wealth of wisdom you've given us. Becoming a mentor or a coach is scary. And one of the reasons is that when you hear those words, you go, how much time is this going to take? I mean, I don't have time. I already have a full schedule. I'm already packed. I don't have time to do this. And it is the small moves, the micro moves where we listen, we ask questions, we demonstrate respect, we ask the timely, insightful questions. It really is those um, small moves that we make that in the long run will have a, a major impact. One of my fa uh, favorite domino videos, and you know, there's a huge group of people who love domino videos. This one is a physicist who takes a, demonstrates starting with a five millimeter domino. So that's like maybe half inch. Um, and via 29 moves, 29 moves, that five millimeter will topple an Empire State Building. So in my mind's eye, when I say micro moves, I'm looking at what are the small things that we can do to affirm people, to encourage people, to build them up that over a lifetime can have a major empire state building impact. Mm. So that's what I think of in micro moves. Uh, I, I'll give you another, just a quick example. My uh, husband, he was in his uh, 20s. He worked with a guy named Tom for one day. He was like, you know, the boss's boss's boss. He flew into town for to work with him. And as part of that conversation, uh, Gordon gave some excuse. I don't remember what the excuse was, but Tom looked at him and said, if you keep using excuses, you'll never get promoted. One comment. Mm -hmm. and that shifted Gordon's mindset and has impacted him for his entire life. Mm. Wow. Wow. And, and it, you know, when you are listening to people and they feel heard and you're asking them good questions, then you begin to earn the right um, to be heard. And so that can, that, then that is received as, okay, I guess, you know, but if you, you know, if you're not practicing all those other things, sometimes that falls on deaf ears. And so what a, what a micro move, but what a major impact, which is, which is exactly 
what gives us all hope that we can all get better at what we do and we can help make other people um, fulfill their potential as well. So, well, let me just recap in case anybody missed. Here's those five tips for helping millennial leaders. Number one, start spotlighting a talent. Number two, turn the technology off. Number three, connect with people face to face. Number four, focus on one individual fully and completely. And then the last one is the most beautiful one because it makes it doable. It makes it manageable for any leader. Just make micro moves to make a major difference. So um, Danita, you are so practical and so founded in research and, and yet so able to, to maneuver into all these dynamics of different generations. Thank you so much for the way that you lead like Jesus. Thank you for what you're offering to the millennials to be that bridge and to leaders out there. Um, any last words before we go of any encouragement that you would give if, if you had one thing to say to that leader out there that's trying to figure it out um, that has not been said yet today? Millennials matter and you matter and your leadership matters. And so uh, in a world that seems like it's racing and changing, you are very relevant. That's great. That's a great, that's a great word to encourage those leaders out there. Um, so thank you so much. If anybody wants to get Millennials Matter or any of your other resources or reach out to you, uh, where should people go? They can go to my website, uh, danitabuy.com, D-A-N-I-T-A, and then it's buy, like bye-bye, danitabuy.com. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to our Lead Like Jesus audience. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give us a review. We'd love to hear it and love to know it. And if you want to go and get information about Lead Like Jesus and the resources that we have for leadership, go to leadlikejesus.com. Until next time, we'll see you. Thank you.